When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 49th episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in-depth discussion about the crafty and floral Violet Made of Thorns by Gina Chen. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Here's how our book discussions work. We're going to try to fit in all of our thoughts and feelings for Violet Made of Thorns in just one hour. If you like this episode and if you want to support the podcast, just click on the link in the episode description. Now, as we discuss everything about Violet Made of Thorns, and I mean everything, here is your one and only... Spoiler alert! Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? Rawr! Spoiler alert! (laughs) Rawr! (laughs) And now, on to the show. Let me tell you, in this book, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate. And there's a little bit of love. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. And by a little bit of love, I mean like a teaspoon. And by a teaspoon, I mean like like the droplets of a sneeze. Like a paragraph. That's how much love there is in this book. There's a lot more lust. There is a lot of lust. Lust is a must in this book. (laughs) (laughs) In the most vague terms, but yes. So what did you think about the lust? A.K.A. romance in this book. (laughs) 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 The contemplative grunt. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think I like the concept of the romance more than I liked the execution. Because their whole thing... Violet and Cyrus's whole thing is that they knew each other from childhood because Violet saved Cyrus in the Moon District from a carriage. Which, imagine dying by a carriage. <laughs> That's like the dumbest way to die. <laughs> if I died by a carriage, don't bury me. on my headstone i don't want that as a legacy let me just be like a random corpse (laughs) (laughs) that's our continue and the whole thing is that you know he saved her he brought her to the palace and then like they're like what you're a seer and then like the king starting to use her for his politics and then like they drifted apart i suppose and so at present they're kind of like rivals in that, you know, Cyrus kind of wants to banish her. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to throw her into exile. <laughs> <laughs> and Violet doesn't want to be <laughs> tied to another king, essentially. Um, and so it's like they're kind of like frenemies. But like, it's, it's, it's literally rivals. They're literally rivals. And so they have really cute moments of banter. We love the banter. The banter is great. There isn't enough vulnerability between them, though. There were a lot of kisses that occurred when they were lonesome. And I was like, 
but 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 where is the <laughs> where's like the hate like the 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 where's the eye contact you know from like across the room, oh, oh, you know, like from across the room, like they hated, like oh, I hate you glances that turn into wait, I might understand you glances to the wait, is there something else in his eyes kind of glances? We had a little bit of it, but not enough. I feel like there wasn't enough build up to the first kiss, though I didn't mind the first kiss, but I don't think there was enough build up. Like, if you have rivals to lovers and you have all this banter, but you also have, like, the thing of, like, oh, but we used to be kind of friends in our childhood. Like, you're kind of expecting a lot more tension. And I just didn't get that tension that I wanted. Yeah, I think they felt a little too much like strangers. Mm -hmm. I feel like there should have been more memories between them because the only memory we really are, we really get to see in the story is the fact that Violet saved Silas when when they were young. But that's kind of it. Like, we don't have really any more connecting moments to show that they were close ones, but that they drifted apart. It's kind of more like this mentioned crush rather than something we get to see in reality. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to see or at least have Violet think about how they used to be close and maybe they would tell each other secrets and maybe she'd, like, they'd have little moments together but that slowly he stopped visiting her tower and she stopped going to court and like things like that, that showed the break. And then you can kind of see the reconnection. Yeah. I think, like you said, with the romance, I do like it overall. I do like this idea that, you know, Violet was this orphan girl and that Cyrus took her in and that he kind of hated to see what she became in court, but that he really just hates himself because he's the one who brought her here. And with Violet, I like that she wanted power and that she wasn't ashamed to want power and that she recognized the power in power and that Cyrus being so honorable kept putting a kink in her plans because he kept trying to recenter her like this isn't who you are and she's like well you're holding on to a girl that doesn't exist anymore so I like that dynamic but I do wish that there was just more background and more angst to kind of cement it so that we can feel that distance so that we can feel when they're close again and like you said, I do like the first kiss. I did like that. It was kind of in the moment and that he knew that the girl who walked into the ball wasn't like it was a plant by his father. I like that he knew that. So then it was a real moment. But I think like you, I did want more build up to the kiss because <laughs> I thought I thought Cyrus hated her. <laughs> he kissed her. And I was like, oh, wait. Oh, he likes her. I was like, oh, dang. OK. <laughs> and so I do wish that. We had a little bit more, like you said, those exchange glances, like that, the spite that you want to be sharper than it is uh-huh. before it kind of translates more into that romance. Like, yeah, I liked the way that the first kiss happened. Like, I, like you said, like it happened like in the moment. It was just like this thing, and like, and the, like the 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 flow of the actual scene was was actually pretty good. But it was just like the build up to that. Like, I want to see, you know, the rivals to lovers. I'm a very big fan. Of when rivals, the rivals to lovers, like the two main love interests, um, are both running away from like separate things, and then they fi- they um find themselves in the same hiding place, and like it's in like close proximity, and so then you kind of see like oh a slight shift, like just the the barest of shifts, and like oh wait, for like us as the reader to say oh maybe he doesn't hate her completely. I really wanted one of those to happen. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of him. Or just, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, he catches her when he falls. 
when she falls and like she like immediately like gets up and like pushes him away she's like what are you doing like the scene where he's running away from all of his admirers and kind of going crazy and like ripping his clothes like hercules style yeah and like he like slams into her into the car and she's like no i don't want to let you in like that was a good moment like i wanted more of those yeah me too before the first kiss. Yeah. Because the carriage scene was the first time I was like, oh, okay, so he hates her, but maybe not, like, totally hates her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do wish that we maybe had a few more interactions with them to kind of show, to give a better hint that there was something a little bit more. Now, with with this romance, I don't mind that it doesn't necessarily soften. I don't mind that they're still kind of at odds with each other, that they don't want to compromise, they're prideful, they don't want to change for the other person. I don't mind that. But like you said, I do wish there were more displays of vulnerability. I think the closest we come to is more so a scene at the end of the book where Violet and uh, Cyrus are in his office. and they oh, his study. His study. Yes. And they tussle for a bit. Sex does not occur, but vague descriptions about other happenings <laughs> do. <laughs> and in that moment, you know, Cyrus kind of confronts Violet about having a fear for his father and about how even though you put up the show, you're really just still this scared little girl who's underneath another person's thumb. And I liked that moment because it was a moment where they were targeting each other, where they were actually breaking through. But I felt like enough didn't come of it and that it didn't happen again. I just, I didn't like that it happened after like at this point, this was, like, the fourth little tryst, like, the little physical tryst that they had. I wish we had seen that before. Especially with their background as childhood friends. I want to see, like, I wanted to see the rivals of, like, I wanted to see the, the juxtaposition of them as, like, grown-ups as rivals. But them kind of going back to their childhood and realizing, well, I've known this person. Like, I've watched this person grow up, kind of a thing. And having those moments before... Like, anything physical, like, truly happened. Yeah, almost something like, oh, I snuck you this bread because you used to eat all the time by the pond. Or, oh, I know this is where you go to escape the crowds because you did it all the time when we were kids. Like, little moments like that. Or just, like, maybe just, like, blurting something out that you wouldn't typically. But it's because you know this person and you know them for so long and that kind of thing. And then, like, but they kind of, like, respond to you because they've known you because that whole thing, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. The dialogue. Yes. I think my favorite tryst in the book was probably when um, Cyrus pulls, or wait, is it Violet that pulls him? They escape court, essentially. They kind of go into this room. Oh, the and, armory? Yes. Mm. And they have, you know, a little make-out session. Someone walks in, but they don't see him. I liked that scene because it did feel like that forbidden romance. It did feel like that, oh, we can't be seen in public kind of thing. We shouldn't be doing this, but we are. Like, that, I felt like kind of played into that drama of more of kind of what I wanted. I felt like that scene did it very well. Like, here's the thing. With each individual, like, little makeout scene, like, the scenes flow very well, actually, like, individually. But just all together and just, like, the scope of the whole romance, I just, like, I, I want to see more of the climax. I want to see more of the fall. I want to see more of the development. It's like each tryst needed to evolve the the relationship deeper. In some way, yeah. Because it felt like, even though I did like the tryst by themselves, like you said, it didn't really feel like each one made much progress mm -hmm. in the relationship. It kind of felt like after each one, Violet just got mad and just stormed off. Which I get. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish after, like, maybe one, maybe they'd stay or maybe, like, oh, like, he snuck his hand onto hers. 
yes. just a little bit because you know after something like that they both know is very physical but they're not like addressing their actual feelings and to have something very small like that and to see that like oh he kind of is that would have been wow i do think there was a little hand touch thing was there when oh goodness oh oh when he was like touched the back of her hand yeah Oh, there were, like, I liked that, but I didn't like it in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> you liked the idea, but just not quite where it was used. Yeah. Because mm. I also think, I mean, Cyrus's, Cyrus's whole thing was that he's always loved Violet. He has since he was a child. He saw her and he's like, you're not like the people I grew up around, but you became one of them. Right? And I was like, I love, I love that. Let's play more into that. But we don't really get that until, like, the second half of the book where Dante... It's kind of like, here's the thing, Cyrus, when he figures out, when Dante figures out about Violet and Cyrus's little dalliance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, tell her before you're engaged. Yeah. <laughs> right? There was that whole thing. And I was like, okay, could we have that before? Can we have that in the first half? <laughs> yeah, because I did like that Cyrus did love her, but also... That love was kind of blinded to him. And I don't mind that because throughout the story, it's kind of a theme that Violet is Cyrus's weakness, his curse, I think she calls it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind that he kind of falls prey to the curse over and over again, kind of forgiving her when he shouldn't, going back to her when she when he shouldn't. But at the end of the book, where when she stabs him in the heart, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wanted him to, you know, maybe take a beat and be like, you know, I got to readdress this relationship and... And uh, what it means. But instead, he asks her to be his queen, essentially. Yeah. Which, and we, we'll talk more about the ending later. But I do wish, just with Cyrus, that there was a bit more, like, he was fighting against this curse. Mm. Like, that he kind of knew and understood that it was his weakness. That he tried to battle against it. That she could see that. That he would, I wish he resisted her a little bit more. Yeah, I did wish he would fight back against Violet. Like, he had a little bit of simp energy and not in the good way. <laughs> the slightest simp. Like, I just, I wanted him to roast her back. I wanted him to kind of, like, in, Violet kind of fought back against Cyrus and, like, closing herself off to whatever feeling she had for him. So I wish that Cyrus pushed more with his flirtations. Yeah. I wish oh, that, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, he would kind of, like, use that against her. But also, he's kind of, like, kind of serious, but he's also, like, I want to win. Because he kind of knows that he's kind of her first, right? Mm -hmm. He's kind of assuming that. And so, I wish, yeah, that he'd take advantage of it. Even if it's kind of, like, cunning or manipulative. Because I feel like that's kind of what their characters are. These aren't perfect characters. They're kind of, like, villains. So, I wish that he kind of would have played into that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of. Because that's her one vulnerability, really, Violet, is that she's never really been intimate. She's never really been vulnerable. And so with Cyrus, this is new and um, disorienting to her because of that. And so, yeah, I do wish that he had kind of preyed on that just a little bit. Yeah. And then maybe she decides to kind of turn it back on him when she realizes that he has power over me, but now I'm realizing I have power over him. Yes. The more they kiss. Yeah. Oh, that so good. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say at the end, and I'll speak more to the romance of things so it's not redundant. But at the end, I was confused how how and why Cyrus confessed to his court on his wedding day that Violet 
came on to him. I was a little confused with the ending. I'm not going to lie. I think, in essence, he did it just so she would stop being um, at his father's beck and call. Because at that point, like, oh, she tried to seduce the prince. Like, she's she can't be here anymore. She must be cast out. So I, I think he's trying to get Violet away from his father. Um, But, like, I, I feel like Cyrus would know that she's very protective of her reputation. And, like, that's her whole thing. That's the entire reason why she's been, like, closing him off and, like, kind of, like, saying that she uses him for power. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, I, I will say the ending did, I think, confuse me the most in terms of their motivations because I was like, does Cyrus actually love her? Does Violet actually love him? <laughs> I don't know... If Violet loved Cyrus. Okay, well, uh, did he love her, though? Because sometimes the relationship did kind of feel a bit mistressy. It did. And so I was like, does he love her, or does he kind of like the idea of controlling her, of having her loyalty? Because he's only saying thing. swear loyalty to me. Mm-hmm. And with her, actually, I was like, I don't think she does love him. <laughs> not not just because she stabbed him in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just because of that. But because I think it was m- more so... A little, I think it was more lust for her on her side. I think, I think she did have feelings for Cyrus, but she never addressed as to what those were. Mm. And they kind of just came out in a physical kind of way. Mm. Because at the end, it's like, oh, she kind of saves him because she loves him. But I was like, but up until this point, she was unsure of that herself. So why is it like, where was the buildup up to her, like realizing that? And also, she saved him after she killed him, which is kind of late. (laughs) I'd be like, could you realize that you love me before you kill me? I mean, it's like, I don't mind the fact that their priorities are elsewhere. Like, Violet's priority is herself. Cyrus's priority is his kingdom. And they conflict with each other. Um, So it's just, I kind of wanted more clarity in terms of these are our priorities, even though I still might have feelings for you. Yeah. I know that that was like, that was mentioned. But I just wanted more clarity in terms of that in the ending. But I will admit, like some of the some of those kissings, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was like, damn, you guys are getting real intimate real quick for hating each other." Also, I was like, "Why don't I mind it?" I didn't mind it actually. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is like, kind of enjoy again, it. like each individual one flowed like fairly well." Yeah, they, it had good pacing. Yeah, with the with the physical. The physicality, which I appreciate, yeah, in in not a creepy way, in a in a in a in a reader way, yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in this book, there is also magic and prophecies and fairies and dragons and sighted people. So, what did you think about that aspect? I touched a little bit on in the recommendation about how I wish the creatures were explored more. You know, if fairies exist, if dragons exist, what else exists? Or are those the only two creatures? I wish there was a little bit more clarity there. And with the magic, too, I did wish to know who had magic. Are sighted people the only ones with magic? Because there was mention of witches. So then I was like, are, is witch a term, just another term for sighted? Or I, So there was a few things like that that I wanted clarified because I wasn't too sure. On the prophecy side, I did like the prophecies. I did like how 
Violet would say certain things and not say certain things, how she would make her words super generalized so that they could be taken in any way, so that they could be vague, so that they could be manipulated to her to suit her needs or the king's needs. I wish that there were more prophecies, though, almost. In that, because we have these two main prophecies. One was made by Violet's kind of original, well, not original caretaker, by the first seer in this kingdom, but she died. And this prophecy was foretelling, you know, death and ruination and that Cyrus would basically, I don't know, ruin the world. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Violet's prophecy that is, you know, Cyrus needs to find his bride and, and kind of more things along that. I wish that there was just kind of another prophecy outside of those two that could bring in a new interest to the story. Or maybe a bunch of little prophecies to show how Violet can really manipulate this court. You know, if she says one, bless you, one prophecy to one duke and another to another duke. And, you know, kind of to see how she's slowly taking control of every single person. And this could be a sequel thing. You know, I, I, it doesn't need to be a first book thing, but I do wish that I could better see what she's telling people and what she's not telling people because the main the main people we see her prophecies affect are Cyrus. And so I do wish that there was a little bit more. I wish she, I also wish she was a little bit more daring with her prophecies. Like I wish she kind of tried to read the king or that she kind of tried to like get information through her powers because I do wish she was a little bit more active with her powers. Most of the progress that we make in the story are with her dreams when she's asleep and not necessarily when she's awake. So I do wish there was a little bit more activity on that part. But what about you? What do you think? As for, like, the magic aspect, I did like the idea of the fairy wood, you know? Like, these woods that no one goes into, that no one really knows what's in there. Like, all, like, I liked the intrigue of that. And I think with the mythical creatures, I think basically what they were trying to do, or what the author was trying to do in this case, was kind of do kind of like a casual magic thing. Like, oh, this is a thing that used to be, you know, dragons used to be, huge and menacing and fairies used to be this but now it's evolved into this by kind of having them as like a callback to oh but wait magic is still very ancient it's very old and it stays in like these mythical creatures it's like i think i do agree with you in that they could have played a bigger role and there could have been more other than just the fairies but i did appreciate that the fairies were in the story Mm, me too um as for like the prophecies and everything I do agree with you in the f- terms of I did feel like there was something missing to it. Um, and also, I feel like no one was actually taking it as seriously as it should have been. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this girl can see the future, but everyone's kind of being chill. Also, it also it kind of was kind of like so. Does Cyrus like not believe that she can see in the future? That's that, okay. That was one of my questions because in the beginning it seemed like Cyrus didn't trust her because he couldn't tell if she could actually see or not. Mm-hmm. But then in the end, it's like he kind of does. So like he knows she has magic. So like like where is his doubt coming from? Yeah, is it just that she lies about it? I wish that there was a little bit more clarity there. Yeah, I think I would have even liked if he didn't believe her at first, but then slowly came to understand that she really does have the ability to see the future. Yeah, and I think that probably could have played that specific thing of him kind of like believing more in magic. Could definitely play more into the fact that like, oh, 
fairies are now just kind of like house pets. Dragons are just like smaller and just like bugs almost. It kind of like would play into the, oh, this is all very casual. This is this is what the evolution of magic has become kind of thing. Um, I mean, I did like how Violet's powers worked. I like that she needed to touch someone. Like it's like the palm of their hands kind of thing. And like she saw these threads. But I did wonder why she didn't like find out more about it or like experiment more with it because i mean me as a person if i had a power i would try all the things also is she if she has fairy wood around her tower like wouldn't that like affect something at some point like enhance or detract or something like that yeah like how is it that she's gone this whole time without without having getting her blood on things like come on there was mention of her period a few times so yeah yes <laughs> and yet no magic <laughs> what's what's menstruation for if not magic <laughs> okay if my period blood can't do mystical things then what's even the point of having a period <laughs> children i guess <laughs> i also wish okay so with the prophecies i did like that they were direct and not direct but I wish that in their di- indirectness that Violet would kind of have to figure them out more like a riddle. Mm, because I feel mm-hmm. like that would kind of give her more something to do rather than just relay. If she kind of got this prophecy about Cyrus, prophesying that he has to die, and that she tries to figure out like kind of like a riddle how to save him or what she can do or what this actually means. You know, does he actually have to die or is it like more so like a spiritual death where it's like he has to change who he is or something like that. That would, again, kind of give her a little bit more to figure out. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the prophecy, I was like, you know who would be great for this? Violet. You you mean, like, who would fit that role? Yeah. No, literally, when they said the prophecy of, like, oh, who, who Cyrus is going to marry, you know, like, the love will not be easy. I was like, this is literally Violet. And then when they were in the hedge maze and they met, I was like, it's literally Violet. He literally <laughs> just met her at midnight unintentionally. <laughs> the thing is, I thought about this, and this kind of plays more into the ending, but I'm going to say it now. Every single issue could be fixed in this book if Cyrus had just been betrothed to Violet at the beginning. True, but also it would not, I think it would be unseemly for a king to marry a, seeing, a seer. Why? Because I think seers are more so like servants. They're perceived as powerful, but under the control of a king. And see, so marrying he, one would make her too equal. But see, the thing is, I, I, I would make that argument, except they have their, that whole thing about um, Cyrus's great-great-grandfather who married a peasant. Mm-hmm. And like Dante's whole thing about true love, he tells that story and I'm like, so if that king can marry a peasant, then why can't another king marry a peasant? I think and it depends king, on the court. The king does like Violet and he likes her way of thinking and he's always he was always saying that he wants Cyrus to be more like Violet. And I was like, well, if he married Violet, then she would have influence over the kingdom in the way that you're wanting. And also, he would find the bride not only to fulfill the prophecy, but someone who can actually see 
like the future and can actually like unravel the prophecy. So you're killing all of the birds with one stone. <laughs> like Cyrus even has loved her all his life. So he wouldn't even object to it. So literally like all of your issues could be solved with this. But I don't think marrying a seer would give much of an advantage because why marry a seer when you can still have your seer, but then marry a girl who has a ton of lands and coins and an army, you know, you can get best of both worlds. That's true. But I was also like, but I, I mean, from my, from a reader standpoint, I was like, all of your issues could have been fixed by this one thing. Marriage. Like even Violet. Okay. Her whole thing is like, she was trying to claw her way to power and she's trying to find a way to survive. If she became queen, her place is secure. Okay, I literally thought at the beginning of the story when when it was first like, oh, Violet needs to tell the prophecy about who Cyrus will marry. I literally thought she was going to orchestrate it so that she would be the one. I would have loved that. Like, I thought when his father was like, when when the king told Violet what to say to Cyrus to know what girl to look for at the at the masquerade, I literally thought Violet was going to dress up as that person so that Cyrus would meet her and fall in love with her because he kind of seemed like a besotted fool at the beginning, like someone who would believe in true love, and that she would try to use her prophecies to become queen. I would have loved that. But then I was like, oh, no, she's not conspiring to be queen. But I felt like, like you said, her main drive is to get power. So the best way to do that is to use her prophecies. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, I would have loved that. I mean, this is just my opinion. And obviously I could be wrong, but I was like, literally all your issues could be fixed if Cyrus had just married Violet. Very few things are solved with marriage, but this, this would be, this, this, <laughs> this would be like, you're killing four birds with one stone. <laughs> Congratulations. And she like, it's literally, it, it makes sense. She uses her prophecies and, you know, like, and then like, you could see why Cyrus, you know, doesn't trust her because she uses her prophecy for her own gain. And there could be the whole thing where she tries to seduce him pretendingly, but then he seduces her for realsies, and there's that whole... It could have been so cool. Yeah. I liked how you said pretendingly. That <laughs> that word, I was like, ooh, <laughs> snazzy. <laughs> I, just, I just make every word an adverb. That's the only way to do it rightly. Yeah. But that's an actual bad verb. But do you agree, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Now let's talk about the side characters and Violet made of thorns. Thorns? Thorns. Thorns. For a second, my mind wanted to say thorn. I was like, you're wrong. I am right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, of course, have a few royal friends. We have, uh, of course, Camila, who is Cyrus's twin sister. We have the king, the jerk. We have Dante, the charismatic best friend, of course, who I was like, this guy is clearly the spy, but to be noted later. Yeah. And Nadia, who's pretending to be Rhea. So what did you think about the side characters in this story? Um, like, I understand Camilla's place in the story, but I just didn't quite get her character. And I didn't, like, I wanted a bit more from her, honestly. Mm. Me too. She didn't. I feel like with most of the side characters, which I don't mind. I mean, they, they are side characters. Sometimes their place in the story isn't necessarily to be super impactful. But I did wish that in this story that the side characters were more impactful. Because with Camilla in particular, particular she is the twin of Cyrus. 
So at any point she could technically be queen. And I felt like that was something that could have been played into more. Like, was that a threat in the past if people wanted to put Camila on the throne? I know Camila explains that she doesn't want the throne, but could she handle it? Like, I need a little bit more depth as to why they want the things they do, why they don't. You know, motivation. Motivation. Because Camila, if she's not the the queen, then she's just kind of doing nothing in the story, unless if she's explicitly doing something else. I think Camilla's main purpose in the story was honestly to be the comedic relief, but also just being there. Like, she... It's like, for whatever reason, if Cyrus dies, which he's prophesied to die in, you know, uh, Violet's dreams. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, if Cyrus can't rule, then Camilla will. Mm. So I think that's kind of like what her place in the story was. Just like, oh, if Cyrus can't, she will kind yeah. of a thing. But they also kind of bring up his cousin. True. Yeah. So uh, Fidor? Fifi? Fifi. Fifi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they kind of bring him up too. So I was like, like, why bring him up though? Because I mean, they honestly could argue that Camilla should be on the throne because she is older and Violet does mention that. And so maybe I like, I do wish there was maybe more of a push with that, you know, just to kind of bring her more into it and just have her be an actual character. Yeah. And I feel like Camilla was also there to just kind of support Violet to kind of bring her out of her shell and to put her in dresses and, and things like that, where I do wish she just had a little bit more substance. And again, it's not like she has to be the biggest prevailer in the story. But no. just to have a little bit more of a, a depth and a deepness. Well, just deepness is depth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, an arc, like Just you basically said. just, like, a small arc. Like, I want to see, I just want to see her, like, what is, she has such a powerful place in court. Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's not used, and, like, she explains why, but it doesn't change the fact that she's in that position. Yeah. And that she could be utilizing it more. But that's why I liked Dante's character more because mm-hmm. Dante, he was mysterious and he was charismatic and he was a friend between both um, Violet and Cyrus. And so I liked that it was kind of tug of war with him between the two of them. But then also he had a backstory. He he was bastard born. He has ties both in this country and in another. He can be duplicitous. Like he has motivations concerning what he wants the future to be. And how he doesn't want war and what he's willing to do to to get peace. And so that, I felt like, added more depth to him where it's not like he didn't he didn't overtake the story. Mm-mm. He didn't become, like, the most impactful player in the story. But he did have that role and that depth to him that made him more interesting. That gave him more of a place where I could explain who he is. Where I could explain what he can do or has done for the story. Yeah, I agree. So I kind of, with Dante in particular, I wish there was a bit more tension between him and Violet. Romantic? No. Politically. Oh, interesting. Because they are friends. Like, Violet straight up says that he's her friend. But they want very different things. Like, Violet is very much loyal to King Emilius, who Dante does not like. And, like, he kind of brings that up and that, like, oh, I'm not going to bring put this personal, but, like, you're very loyal to the king and, like, I'm loyal to my people. I wish there had been more tension between them. Mm. I want to see how, like, yes, we want to be friends, but we can't quite be closer. And I can't quite tell you my secrets because of this. Mm. Right? Yeah. I mean, 
Romantic tension, not necessarily. I mean, I do wish he was used a bit more for jealousy in terms of Cyrus. I do wish for that as well. A little bit, just because <laughs> I do. I, 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 I do enjoy those scenes. I do too. <laughs> They're so angsty. They're so <laughs> angsty. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, I just wish there was a bit more tension between him and Violet. And I also wish we'd seen more scenes of Dante with Cyrus. Because they're supposed to be best friends. We don't see them a lot together mm-hmm. as the reader. Especially considering that, I mean, Cyrus is basically expecting Dante to kind of be his right-hand man mm-hmm. when he's king to create peace. Like, Dante's supposed to be a pretty vital person to Cyrus, politically even. Uh, and I do wish we saw more of Dante's drive to killing the king at the end. Yeah. You know, it was kind of sudden. I do understand why, mm-hmm. but I wish I had seen more of the buildup and the intensity, like the breaking point. I know that Violet does seem tired throughout the story, but I wish we kind of got more of that exhaustion and how that exhaustion and stress is playing to I'm going to go to the extreme kind of thing. Yeah, I kind of almost wish that, you know, Gina Chen kind of used his charismatic side and just like maybe like a switch in his face, facial expression. One thing I did want to happen, which kind of plays into this, is that a lot of people like in the kingdom – they question why Dante is close to Cyrus and they say, oh, it's because Dante's sleeping with him. And I kind of wish that he had played more into that. Like with Cyrus, he'd be like, oh, hello, lover, or something like that. <laughs> I would have loved that. Yeah. You know, and him be like being really flirty because Dante is kind of a flirty person. So I kind of wish he did kind of like flirt more jokingly yeah. with Cyrus. To have like that teasing. Yes. And then like maybe in moments when like they are discussing something political, but he's being flirty, like you see his change of expression. You know, you see, like, maybe a twitch. You see, oh, he, like, he clenched his fist. Like, he couldn't quite control himself in that terms because he does have all this inside of him, and that could possibly lead to more of a buildup as to why he did what he did at the end. Oh, I love that. That was sexy. That was sexy and charismatic. You are Dante. (laughs) (laughs) I kill kings. Oh. (laughs) But, I mean, speaking of the king, I felt like he wasn't much of a presence. I mean, everyone kept saying, like, oh, he's so evil and manipulative, and he asks, like, everyone's afraid of him. But I'm like, actually, the guy seems pretty chill. (laughs) I mean, he did have some questionable motivations and actions, but I I do wish we had seen more of that, especially in the first half of the book, because we don't really truly get to see the king until the second half. And for someone, you know, who Violet is so loyal to that Cyrus has so many issues with, like, I wish we'd seen more scenes of the king with Cyrus. I wish we'd seen more of the tension between them. Yeah, because when the king struck and, and hurt Cyrus at the end, I was like, oh, does this happen often? I was like, oh, Or shit. is this like a first time yeah. occasion? Or I wish I'd seen Camilla with the king. Like, maybe seeing him be a father to her. Like, being a good father. Like, me seeing, like, why she's conflicted. Like, she doesn't agree with what he does. But she's still sad that he's died because he's her father. Mm-hmm. You know? Giving her something more, giving him something more, you know, like he just didn't for being the king of the kingdom. He didn't have the role that I wanted him to. I also would have loved to if if there was a little bit more of a reason for Violet's loyalty to the king. If he did treat her very kindly, if he did listen to her, if he did, you know, bring her little gifts and little presents that maybe later in the story Violet learns our manipulations and she recognizes that. But that in the beginning, the king really is kind of like a father to her. Because then I think it'd make it a little more personal, a little bit more harder for her that he's dead. A little, it gives her a little bit more reason for why she's so loyal. Because right now, her loyalty to him is kind of empty. 
A little bit, yeah. And I understand that, I mean, she's loyal because it, it maintains her place and her status. But I do wish there was just a, something a little bit more to give reason why she wouldn't align herself with Cyrus. Because aligning herself with Cyrus is the smarter move for her future rather mm-hmm. than playing to the king. Yeah. So I do wish there was kind of like a manipulative, manipulative twisted, but like friendly and like kindness is bitter connection there. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of Nadia, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, she was just kind of like a plot device. <laughs> she, Nadia kind of was kind of a plot device. If anything, I honestly thought her place in the story was one to just kind of be like that. The other woman? Yes! <laughs> I honestly thought it was just like, and she kind of was. She kind of was like the, the, she sparked a little bit of jealousy within Violet. But I was expecting a lot more for her place in the story. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Where are we going with this? And I mean, her disappearance at the end is like, oh, well, where's Nadia? Like, where's Riley? Like, that whole thing. But like, she's just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. And and again, like, I don't think she has to play the most important part. But also, too, I think it would have been nice to see her her role expanded just a little bit. I wish she had kept more secrets. I wish she kept more secrets. And I wish that maybe she kind of realizes the power in being the fake betrothed you know, mm-hmm. wife to the to the new king. I mean, there's a lot of power of that. And maybe, you know, like she's naive at first, but then she kind of realizes the safety that she has with Cyrus that she's never felt before as a servant. Yeah, and kind of, it's kind of like the whole thing where Violet, like, recognizes that Nadia is kind of like her. And, like, maybe we see Nadia become more like Violet in that way. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, the, like, the, like, yeah. Kind of the yeah, call yeah. back to mm-hmm. Cyrus seeing Violet become that and then Violet seeing Nadia become that. Yeah. 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 Good times. <laughs> okay, now we kind of have a villain in the story. I mean, we kind of technically have two. The king and the witch. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about, like, the overall, like, the threat, the villain, the, um, the whole badness? With the witch, I think she could have been more bad. Oh, yeah. Because if she can get into Violet's head, and Violet is a seer, I feel like she could get into anyone's head. I feel like she could kind of pull in Ursula and disguise herself as Nadia slash Radia and kind of insert herself more at court so that she could be closer to her wants. Kind of creating a failsafe of, if Violet fails, I'm in a position to fulfill and carry out what I want to do. Because the, the Witch of Nightmares is basically needing and relying on Violet to follow her commands. And I feel like a witch of nightmares would have more than one plan that there would be a lot of different strategies that if Violet failed, oops, well, it turns out the witch is Nadia and sorry, not Nadia, Rhea, Nadia slash Rhea and stabs the prince anyway, you know, kind of that she was more of a threat. She didn't quite feel scary to me. She didn't quite feel like she was going to do something really actually bad. And so I wish that there was a little bit more like a reputation to her or history or again, like that she can switch between many faces. And so Violet can't trust those around her. Something like that, that would just kind of amplify her presence in the story. Yeah. I mean, if a villain comes up very suddenly, like the way that you would typically show like, Oh, this is a villain is through like brutality of like what they're doing. And like, yeah, she released the beast and everything, but like as a reader, we only hear about that second hand. We don't see it happening. 
And we don't actually see her do anything until at the end of the story, right? And as her, as the villain, like, her trying to get into Violet's head and, like, Violet thinking that, oh, she's a fate, right? I was like, why is Violet listening to her in the first place? Yeah, I was like, maybe don't. (laughs) I was like, you kind of defy the gods anyway. So why listen to her? And you don't listen to anyone else. Actually, that's kind of your whole thing is that you don't listen to anyone. Yeah. It's like the voice originally doesn't provide anything quite tantalizing enough to explain why Violet would listen. Yeah, I mean, if the witch like knew something about Violet, you know, something personal, and she's like, (gasps) why did you know that? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Or just, I mean, yeah, just a reason for her to trust her. Like, maybe more, like, why the witch is doing this. Just, yeah, I think we just needed a little bit more on the witch. Or even if the witch to goad Violet was like, I can make you queen. Like, I can give you what you want. Or I know about your mother, your birth mother, or something like that. That, again, would make sense as to why Violet is indebted to her. Or... Or feels like she needs to obey her or follow her commands. Yeah, something like that. And I also couldn't quite figure out with the witch the extent of her power. I was uh, like, yeah. what can she do and what can't she do? And I mean, that's kind of like the characters themselves are kind of like wondering that. But the reader shouldn't be that confused with that either. Yeah. Because it's like you said, like if she can get into Violet's head, why can't she get into other people's heads? Yeah, what are her limitations? If she was able to enchant enti- an entire crowd, why didn't she just enchant the king? Yeah, because, yeah, th- well, yeah, that would be so much more powerful to control a king. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she control Cyrus? Why didn't she con- just straight up control Violet? Why does she need Violet? The, the witch is essentially like, I want you to rule with me. You know, I want you to be my co-partner, partner in crime going on. But Why? Because the witch at this point is so all-powerful that why does she need help? I mean, I think the only thing that could possibly describe that is the fact that, like, throughout the book, like, Violet is kind of immune to enchantments and, like, the fairies' enchantments. And, like, that's kind of, like, a a theme. So that's, like, you're, like, oh, Violet has something that other people don't other than maybe just her sight. And so I think maybe it was playing more into that. And so the fact that she has this power that she doesn't know about because people don't know that much about magic anymore. Um, and so, like, maybe that's the reason why the witch couldn't enchant her. The mm-hmm. reason why the witch couldn't control Violet. But again, it's like, well, why can she control Cyrus or the king or someone else of high ranking? Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, so with the witch, I mean, I do think she could have constricted the plot more. I think she could have built up the plot more. I feel like... The witch could have been a really handy tool to use in kind of making us, the reader, doubt what's real and what's not and what feelings are real and what's not. Because any time uh, the witch was like, oh, the prince will betray you, I was like, "Eh, I didn't believe it Mm because I I didn't feel the gravity of it. So I wish the witch had been more right, had been more convincing to be a bit more of a convincing villain in the story. Yeah, and, and because of that, because the witch wasn't quite, you know, the bad guy, I feel like the king kind of stepped into that role. With, you know, Cyrus being at odds with him and, like, him trying to expand Albany's borders and, like, burning down the fairywood, even though, like, that's where, like, the things are coming from. And maybe it's because of the burnings kind of thing. But anyway, you know, we don't, we like, with him kind of, like, being, like, the main bad guy in my head, like, we didn't see enough of him and then he just dies. And now I'm just like, 
Well, where are we with the witch? Yeah, is the witch dead or is the witch just gone? Well, the witch, actually, she isn't dead because she speaks to Violet again. Through raven form. But it just, I wish there was a little bit more of like a, I will return or like, you're not safe or, you know, a little bit more of like the threat. Yeah, I mean, in that in, in that instance, why was Violet able to stab her at all? Yeah. Yeah, the witch was pretty easy to thwart. Yeah. Which... No pun intended. I wish was, like, because the witch has been built throughout this scene, the witch of nightmares, you know? Maybe like she got into Violet's kill. head. And she got into Violet's head so easily. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wish she was just amplified, stronger, more intimidating. Just bad. Bad. <laughs> bad. Bad to the bone. We have finally reached the point where we need to talk about the ending. There's yeah. a lot of things that go along. Uh, I mean, Violet stabbed Cyrus in the chest. Oof. Sorry, my man. <laughs> Love literally killed you. He's being transformed into like a moss tree bark The beasts beast. that have been plaguing the land. Yeah. And, and Violet gets into a scuffle with the witch because she realizes that she doesn't want... Cyrus to die, even though she stabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> Does she love him? Question mark. Does she hate him? Question mark. We still don't know. And then ultimately the witch is sorted. The king is killed by Dante and there's new power at court. Cyrus is the king now. So what, what did you think about the ending? I think the thing that bugged me the most was the Cyrus's and Violet's relationship at the end. Hmm. Because I was like, Cyrus, he got stabbed. <laughs> like, and at the end, he is kind of like, Violet, this is your fault. <laughs> I hate to is. tell you, but I don't know. You stabbed me. But he only says that when she's like about to leave like the kingdom. Because he needs her blood. Because otherwise, he's going to keep turning into a beast. And I was like, you should be way more upset at her. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty upset if someone killed me. <laughs> Like, relatively. <laughs> but it was, like, it was literally, like, after he got stabbed and, like, she stabbed the witch. They were just kind of, like, going along. They find Camilla. They see Dante kill the king. And it's just kind of, like, they're basically fine and civil with each other. And I was, like, you should not be. Yeah. Like, too much has happened. <laughs> I almost kind of wish that after she stabbed him and, like, kind of figured out, like, oh, like, my blood will heal him. Like, she was kind of, like, transported away by the Witch of Nightmares. Oh, interesting. Where she kind of, like, takes her by force. And she's, like, it would kind of, like, cement the thing of, like, oh, the witch needs her, but for what? Mm. And Yeah, like, it created that question. And it creates that rift between Cyrus and Violet because she stabbed him in the heart with the thorn that she made. She willingly did it, too. In front of his eyes, too. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just down on the floor, and all of a sudden she's like, ha-ha. See, the, the sad thing is, like, he was like, you're not going to. He's like, yeah, stab me. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you go with someone to stab you, and they actually do. <laughs> she's like, he thought I wouldn't do it. Oh, oh, poor little guy. And I was like, you know, for you guys, like your whole, your entire priority was your kingdom. Like your, your, your Cyrus and Violet's whole thing was that they might have feelings for each other. And I mean, I think Cyrus is much, had come much more to terms with his in terms of Violet, but their whole things was like, they have pr other priorities like Cyrus's kingdom, Violet herself. 
And so for them to just be kind of okay after, I was like, you've been clashing this entire time. And after this huge thing happens, you're just suddenly okay. Yeah. What I wish would have happened with the ending more so is kind of like a flipped situation where Cyrus, who has loved Violet the whole time, his love turns to hate. Ooh, and he throws her in the dungeons. He knows he still needs her life because he needs her blood, but that's all she's good for now. He doesn't trust a word of her prophecies. He's against all seers now. I don't need you. I can replace you if need be. Meanwhile, on Violet's side, because she kind of realized that she loved him, kind of. <laughs> after we she still him. don't know. It's still questionable. But maybe like this is her turn now to love him while he hates her. And so mm-hmm. as she's in the dungeon, she's battling these feelings of contempt and betrayal and feeling this love that she didn't think she would feel, all while now being confined, basically facing the fall of her actions. Because all she's ever wanted is power, so it makes sense that her fear is losing power. So being thrown into the dungeons and being reduced to a blood bag would be her greatest fear realized. Kind of being put back to what she originally was, a dirty orphan, a dirty prisoner. And then you would have the sequel start from there. So I wish there was more contention on that side because, like you said, it just resolves too easily. Even when Cyrus confronts Violet and says, you know, you did this, this was your fault. He doesn't say it with enough anger, with enough torment, with enough betrayal. And she doesn't act, react with enough, like, vehemence or reason. Like, this is why I did this, because of you, because of what you did. I wanted more of, like, a battle and a fight, because, like you said, they've been battling and fighting this whole time. But the end just revolves, resolves too easily, and Violet gets a, a higher position instead. She doesn't really get punished for her crime by the person she committed it against. I understand in terms of a sequel why Violet being queen would make sense. Because, like, in terms of the prophecy, in terms of, you know, Cyrus's whole thing of wanting true love, right? Like, it makes sense. I have that whole thing of, like, if she just married him in the beginning, everything would have been solved. <laughs> but I do like, like like where you're going because it's, like, where is she going to – like, I kind of see her fall and her crawl her way back up to power. Mm-hmm. That Even would be more great. ruthless now. And it would make more sense as to why she would have to rely on the witch because how is she going to get out otherwise? And like you said, for Cyrus, who only ever wanted to fall in love, to fall out of love, you know, to have that arc instead because he's still in love at the end of the book. Poor guy. Poor simp. Honestly, like, it didn't make sense. Like, the whole reason why Violet stabbed him is because she felt betrayed by him. But I feel like his betrayal wasn't enough of a betrayal for her to feel that angry to stab him. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> this whole time you've been debating killing him, where I, in the instances before she had way more reason to kill him yeah. than at the end. At the end, I was like, no, actually, this isn't that bad. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> like, oh, I thought she wasn't going to do it because she didn't have enough reason. Yeah, yeah. But then she did, and I suppose there was like a shock factor to that, but I was like, it just doesn't make sense. I just wanted there to be more of a buildup. I really wanted to feel the betrayal. Yeah. But you like you hate betrayal, but you want to feel it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It is weird. You want to you want to <laughs> hurt. <laughs> now I kind of mentioned into this, but whether or not there's a sequel, like, what do you think will happen? Well, I think the little fairy tie fairy tale story at the end talking about Cyrus and Violet's love is basically what would be the sequel about how in the second book something would have to happen where Violet is taken away or there's distance between Violet and Cyrus where he becomes more beastly 
And then at the end of book two, she'd have to come back to his bedside and feed her his her blood, and he's returned back to his original form. Because in the fairy tale, at the end of the story, it talks about their love story, but also talks about how the beast is basically like he. The whole court realizes he's a beast. He's confined to his bed. He's just rotting, and that Violet saves him again. So I think that would be the sequel, essentially. Honestly, the the last two pages of the book in that fairy tale confused me because I was like, that's not exactly how the story happened. <laughs> I think, though, it was supposed to show, like, how the poets twist things. Yeah, but I was also like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Liars. I do think that that will have to happen. I mean, because you have the whole rivals to lovers thing. It's not quite resolved, even though it kind of feels like it was at the end of this book. So we would need a new source of tension between Cyrus and Violet. I would hope that Camilla would have more of a place in the story, you know, in terms of, like, her position as princess. You know, Dante obviously has to come back because he he killed his best friend's father, but, like, his best friend is kind of okay with it. Yeah, his best friend's like, oh, dang, you killed my dad. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. You're my friend. (laughs) Um, You know, Nadia's missing at the end. And so we're kind of like, oh, where did she go? Not that I don't, not that I think she has a lot of places to go, <laughs> mm. but like, where did she go? And so there are a couple things that need to be answered, especially the, I'm, I mean, with Violet's magic, because at the end she kind of like taps more into it. We don't really know how, but she does. And so she's probably going to be discovering more of that. I think with the sequel to what could happen, because you mentioned Nadia, is that I think Nadia could potentially become kind of like the servant to the Witch of Nightmares. Because the Witch of Nightmares either gives Nadia powers or gives her a place where Nadia comes back into court and maybe upsets things between Violet and Cyrus. Because maybe Nadia and Cyrus had more of a relationship than we knew. Maybe Nadia comes in kind of with the intentions to seduce Cyrus and maybe he's taken by it. Or something like that where the Witch of Nightmares is infiltrating the court again through Nadia, but with a more sure plan this time. Mm. And, And that way it would kind of create tension and love and hate and betrayal and all the good stuff all the good stuff little recipe for sad pie yeah honestly if there's a sequel i think i might read it i think i will too i i think the sequel title would have to have roses in it oh yeah for sure yeah yeah Mm -hmm. maybe like rose made of fire oh because they're gonna burn yeah Oh, okay. And also because, like, roses are bad (laughs) in this story. (laughs) I like the harp. (laughs) We are now going to be playing How Would You Survive? We have four minutes to post four survival scenarios that pertain to Violet Made of Thorns. Question one is, if you could see the future, would you tell the truth about everything you saw? Absolutely not. I need power over people. (laughs) Giving the truth out does not help me. If I keep things and I play things to my advantage, like Violet was supposed to do and kind of did actually, I'd be super powerful, okay? You'd be the queen in three pages. Exactly. You know, you like money is money, but the true currency is information. Oh, and secrets. Cass Brecker. (laughs) I think for me, (laughs) I think the future would kind of be like telling the truth. Like when someone's like, do I look good in this dress? It's like, well, no matter what, you just tell them what's nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that's how I would kind of treat the future if I saw. I'd be like, hey, you're going to get a great new pair of shoes, but you'll also die. (laughs) (laughs) You're also going to suffer a terrible death. Uh, Don't go buy cars. Okay. (laughs) You say that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do get worried. You do jaywalk a lot. (laughs) I did it twice. Twice is enough. (laughs) (laughs) Got too close. It only takes one car. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if your place at court as Seer was being threatened, how would you reassert your role? Oh, I would tell the prophecy of prophecies. I'd be like, if you don't keep me in this court, everyone will die. (laughs) The world will burn. The sun will explode. All happiness will be taken away. If you take me away, you will be ruined. And, And I would do it more sly. You know, maybe not so grandiose, but I would threaten the very survival of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I personally would do the exact opposite of Violet, and I would suck the crap up to people. (laughs) Uh, Hey, hey, (laughs) teacher's pet gets an A for a reason, okay? (laughs) Like, I feel like she was way too mean to Cyrus for the position that he was in. I was like, he's literally going to be king. And I know you don't want to be tied to a king, but guess what? You're still a seer and you're still under his kingdom. I was like, okay, one, you just suck up to them. And then you show them why you're, you're irreplaceable. You know, you give them information, you take information from them secretly. So they know that you have, they have, that you kind of have like something over them, but not that they feel threatened by it. Yeah. Like friendly blackmail. Yeah. (laughs) Now question three. Would you ever enter into a dalliance with a prince? Absolutely not, no. Here's the thing. Princes do have money, and I do like that. And princes do have power, and I also like that. But they also have a lot of responsibility, and I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like, if I were to marry a prince, I'd have to know about, like, (laughs) diplomacy. Diplomacy and like land and economy and that all just sounds terrible. So no, thank you. I'll take the bastard. Uh, yeah, the bastard is hot. Naturally, the yeah. bastard is kind of the hottest character. Mm-hmm. I think I don't. I I think I would enter into a dalliance. I'm not gonna lie. I'd be low key down for like secret kisses and secret places. And- oh, if it was non-committal, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that at first, like, I'd be like, "Oh, it is non-committal," but then my little lovesick heart would be like, "But make me your queen." <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd totally be scorned and rejected, but at least I would have the memory. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at court stays in court, especially no. when you're banished. <laughs> I mean, as, like, the lure, you know, the prince of power. It's like, oh, the pr- I'm making out with the prince in the armory? And someone came in, but he's still kissing me? Oh, that was pretty hot. No, I'm I was not like, going to lie. I was like, shit. Oh, oh, oh okay. my gosh. I was like, okay, like, like prince daddy energy a little bit right here? I was like, wait, why is this like, what? what? He was like, don't worry about them. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not worried about anything right now. <laughs> I'm not worried about a single thing. Now, how would you combat someone like the Witch of Nightmares? Um, avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ignore the heck out of her. I'd take a tonic so I'd sleep deeper. Or maybe I just wouldn't sleep. And anytime she spoke, I'd just go, la, 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 la. <laughs> and, um, oh, I would for sure tell someone and be like, yeah, this Witch of Nightmares chick, she's like totally in my dreams and saying everyone's going to die. 
But she doesn't, I mean, she doesn't know at the beginning, but I'd be like, yeah, I'm hearing this voice in my head. <laughs> Once I was sure, I'd be like, yeah, she's been trying to contact me and here's her plan and what she wants me to do. So we should do the opposite of that. Oh, I would just give her the silent treatment. Like she'd enter my dreams every night and she'd be like, <laughs> you need to kill a prince. I'd just be like, <laughs> she's like, hello, are you there? <laughs> just dial tone. <laughs> Just like the, the turning off of a computer. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Just give her the silent treatment. Make her think that she's like her magic isn't working. <laughs> Your power suck because I'm not talking back to you. <laughs> she'd stop. <laughs> I know who you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Violet Made of Thorns by Gina Chen. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, and go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh happens.